Hello and welcome to Live Fit Ignite Change, where together, as a community, we inspire each other to live a fit life, ignite the change we wish to see, and thrive in all areas of life. In today's episode, I'm joined with Nick Butner from Blue Zones. You may have seen those amazing National Geographic documentaries on what the world's longest living cultures do to live longer, better, healthier, happier lives. We dive into the nine lifestyle practices that they have in common, what you can do to start implementing these, and how they are being rolled out to companies and communities. And we cover how to set up your environment so you'll naturally do them so you can create the change that you want to see to live a longer, better life. Plus, Nick will be speaking at our upcoming DOP Capital Health, Wellbeing, and Longevity Summit in Puerto Rico along with Gary Brecka, who was on episode 13 of this podcast, Mark Sisson from episode nine, Amanda Holmes on episode four, and many more of the world's top well-being minds. You can find the details on that event and all the resources mentioned in this conversation at livefitignitechange.com slash blue zones. Changing our world does not happen at once. It does not happen alone. It takes a committed group to be the change we wish to see. So together, we rise above negative influences to lead by example, making a positive impact at home and around the world. You can learn more, join us, and get show notes at livefitignitechange.com, or for short, livefic.com. Hello, Nick. Hey, can you hear me okay, Patrick? Yes, I can. How are you doing? I, you know, I'm actually doing fantastic. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, I've been traveling pretty much nonstop. So I got home last night and I got a couple of days in Minneapolis, which is fun. And I'm connecting with some friends, for, cool. you know, as well as doing laundry, which is makes me feel <laughs> settled, balanced. Friends and laundry, you're, you're balanced. <laughs> exactly. It's that simple. Awesome. Great, great combination. Well, uh, this is awesome. Thank you so much for for joining and um, yeah, and I was looking forward to seeing you in Puerto Rico as well. So that'll be pretty awesome too. I, I'm ex I'm excited. I'm still kind of thinking through kind of my talking points for that presentation, but I'm really excited as well. Awesome. Yeah. Well, very cool. I guess if you're good, we'll just jump right in because um, I mean, I I've got to say too, like you know, it's great talking to you. I've loved the Blue Zones research forever. I mean, it's all about what how to live longer, better, healthier, happier, and when did it first come out? It's been, gosh, probably about 20 years or so now. I did the initial research in Okinawa in, in 1999. The National Geographic was 2004. Okay. Yeah. 2004. So yeah, almost almost 20. That uh, I remember that National Geographic one. That was pretty amazing when when it came out. And um, I mean, I've, I've been listening to all the Blue Zone stuff and, and all that kind of things for quite a long time. But I guess just to give our listeners you know, a quick background on, on Blue Zones and your bio, and then you can fill in anything else. Um, basically, about Blue Zones being inspired by the world's longest-lived cultures, Blue Zones' mission is to empower everyone everywhere to live longer, better. And Nick has led 17 expeditions over six continents, leads the Blue Zones' community engagement, including implementation of the Blue Zones project, which plans to bring longevity lessons to positively impact the health of millions of people. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> well, you know, everybody has to have a goal. 
That, that's a pretty pretty noble goal there. Just impact the lives of millions of people to help them live longer and better. So <laughs> I guess if I could, you know, I shared that, but maybe you catch us up on kind of what you've been doing and maybe a little bit more specifically what, what all that means. Yeah. In high level, what Blue Zones is, is what Dan and I did is travel to the place of the world um, where people are living the longest life. There's a thing called the Danish Twin Studies. It says 80% of how long you live is lifestyle factors and our habits. So we wanted to find those places in the world where people were having the most success, but to do it with demographers and physicians and, and schools of public health, we could find the nine commonalities. Um, that research took about 10 years and we found the five places, Okinawa, Japan, Sardinia in Italy, um, uh, Ikaria in Greece, the Nicoya Peninsula of Costa Rica and Loma Linda here in the United States. Um, but where what what excites me now is we've been for the last 13 years, I've been taking these lessons to communities across the United States. And the focus of the work is normally when we look at health, it's around you got to go on a diet. You have to start exercising and moving. And it's really hard because our environments aren't set up for health and well-being. You know, you. If you look at 50 years ago, they had a third of the rate of, of obesity. They had a seventh of the rate of diabetes and a tenth of the rate, according to some studies, of dementia. And it wasn't because they're smarter and better. It's our environment has changed. Right. You can't go into a grocery store or any store without having to navigate a gauntlet of unhealthy choices. In Madison Avenue, they're making $10 billion a year is trying to sell us some of the stuff that's most unhealthy for us. Our communities are designed where we're not, um, our kids aren't walking and biking to school. Our parents are afraid to allow our kids to, to go two blocks from the house. You know, I was a free range kid. You know, we had parks, we had all this stuff that where you gather around natural movement. And lastly, it should be. around our mental health, we are more isolated. We're more lonely now. 30 years ago, the average American had three best friends and it's now down to a friend and a half. And the effects of that is about the same as smoking about 20 cigarettes a day. Now, if you think about it, it is not only our physical health, but it's our mental health is where that social aspect is important as well. Wow. So that's, that's what awesome. we're doing is working with communities to set up environments where that healthier choice is ideally unavoidable, or if not, just a little bit easier. Just to close that out. You're bringing back, it's almost what seems like the natural, the way it should be. Just get out and live and eat healthy and play and walk and run. But it's like today we speak so much at our company about being intentional, intentionality about the things that we really want to do. And you're having to bring that back to the communities and to really get them to do the things we should do again, so we can we live better. So yeah. uh, pretty, pretty cool setup. And I, I personally love the like the power nine, the lifestyle habits and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, we could talk for hours about all this, but I guess just to give a kind of a quick snapshot of maybe some of those best practices for those that might not have been exposed to it, what they sure. might want to look to do. Yeah, I definitely can. There was nine commonalities that we found that flew through all the different blue zones. Uh, there were, th and I believe actually there are things that we've known since we were kids. You got them. They their communities were designed for people to move naturally. They walked to school. They walked to their friend's house. They walked to the grocery store. They walked to their jobs. 
Um, they, they, the design was also inconvenienced or deconvenienced. So if I look at Okinawa, I'm getting up and down off the ground. If I'm looking at a Costa Rica and we're making the corn tortilla shell, I don't have a food processor. I got the matate. So it's natural movement instead of exercise, instead of running marathons or triathlons. Um, they had simple techniques to help reduce stress, stress that's tied to inflammation. They had a strong sense of purpose in their life that they could articulate. People can articulate their sense of purpose live about seven and a half years longer. They had healthier diets, um, lower caloric intake. They had, it was mostly plant-based. They weren't vegans or vegetarians, but meat, they kind of only ate as a condiment. Um, they had a little bit of wine in their diet. Um, and then lastly, it's how they came together as a community. You're surrounded by love. All of your family all the way through your life. You had a strong sense of faith. We have Blue Zones, huge fans of faith. Don't care what your faith is. Doesn't matter. Um, all I know is through the centenarians that we met, all but two had a strong sense of faith. And there's research out there that people show up um, to a faith-based organization at least three or four times a month, live four to 14 years longer. And then lastly, it's our friends. According to the Framingham study, if your three best friends smoke or drink too much or overweight, there's a 150% chance that you are as well. That our health traits actually flow in a social network in the same way a diet does or a, a virus does. Yeah. Um, think about that. Are you healthier with that friend that likes to go for long walks, likes to experiment in plant-based cooking? Or are you healthier with that friend that likes to sit on the couch, watch TV and eat chicken wings? You know, but the other thing around friends is you also need a friend that you can pick up a phone when you're having a bad day and you can call them and they'll not only answer, but they'll listen to you. So those were the power nine. Love it. Such great lifestyle practices. We often talk about at, at DOPR, you know, the eight Fs of living fully and living that life. And I think a lot of this comes in together. We go see it at the event in Puerto Rico too, getting into the personal compass and planning out all the different stages of, you know, just how you do live fully in, in all aspects of life. So it's uh, great to hear these in a, in a succinct way that people can follow too. Um, one of the questions that came in too, and I think this originally came from, I don't know if I saw it on your website or, but someone was asking uh, about carbs. And I think it was specifically shared uh, from you guys that the carbs was like the worst word in the nutrition dictionary because it's these longest living cultures, they eat the good carbs. Yet today our society is filled with all those sugar-filled processed carbs that we should not eat. Um, I want to dive into, give a little insight on that. Well, it's simple. I mean, if you look at carbs, in the Blue Zone communities, they eat carbs. It's a big part of their diet. But to your point, you also have to remember that a tomato is a carb and a lollipop is a carb. And there's a vast difference in those in those um, in terms of what's good for us and not. So it's exactly the point. It's not around. It's how are we defining good carbs from bad? And I don't think we do that in our vernacular here in America. Yeah, exactly. Just not enough. That's that's for sure. But I'm uh, also that guy that I will, again, argue that I don't think diets don't work. You know, you see people going out saying, let's do the Atkins diet or let's do X, Y, and Z diet, the keto diet or paleo diet. And they all have different things and they're all set up in different ways. And some of them are good, some of them whatever. To me, it is how are we setting up our environment 
around those food choices that are good for us. And we all know what they are. We, we back in school, we, we went in and we learned about the healthy plate. It's changed a little bit, but we know what's good for us. We know what we need. We need proteins. We need carbs. We need, yeah, you know, how do we create a balanced diet setting up our environments to be able to do it right? Well said. Yeah, we run a Fit Life Challenge, and you know, to people are always asking, "Do I have to follow your exact diet?" Now, sure, we recommend one, but then we put up on the screen, "Well, what a paleo and keto and Mediterranean and Whole Thirty and even vegan." Like, you know, go through the whole list. Like, what do they all have in common? Yeah. And then that's what you follow—just the the healthy and like you guys say, it's not a diet; it's a lifestyle. You just live a lifestyle of being able to do these healthy things. And, and what you see around those diets is the one that probably is the most healthy is, is the Mediterranean diet. Mm -hmm. Um, there's lots of research around the value of that, not only to your heart health, but also to your brain health, to dementia and things like that. Exactly. Get those good fish and nutrients in. I know we had somebody going back to the carb come, come, come up the other day. He's like, doesn't the Mediterranean mean you just eat lots of pasta all day long? It's like, no, <laughs> and especially not the carbs here in the US. Like, yeah, maybe go over to Italy and get the real unprocessed stuff. Yeah. You're good to go. Pizza uh, and yeah. cheese. Right. <laughs> Exactly. And speaking of that challenge, because we, we do this Fit Life Challenge, like I mentioned, because a lot of our listeners here are kind of that on-the-go professionals at these high-growth organizations. So, you know, they're they're busy during the day, kind of living stressed, uh, but achieving and, and wanting to not just achieve, but make an impact in life. And so when we get in this Fit Life Challenge, yeah, sleep, mindset, nutrition, exercise, and really incorporates a lot of your kind of power nine concepts into what you're talking about. And how it became a corporate well-being program over time. I'd just love to hear too about how you're doing this to actually roll out your teachings into the communities, into organizations, maybe what struggles you've run into and what successes you've had. Sure. You know, what we, the whole goal of Blue Zone Projects, we do them both for communities as well as for organizations. And I believe what they have in common are two things. Number one is they're not led by me. Says Yahoo from Minnesota. I have a framework, I have measurement, I have all these things that are important, but they're driven by the community. They're community led, they're community driven. I bring in a framework, I bring in measurement, I bring in, I bring in a process. But the goal of it is how are we breaking down silos in our communities and coming together to share resources, but also coming together in a way that helps us set up an environment. So what we focus on is, well, let me back up just one quick second. So if you think about healthcare here in America, it's acute care, right? It's when you get sick, you engage with your doctor. Right. And it's really good if you're sick. But if you're at risk, you're healthy, doesn't do anything for you. Um, they've added some things on there, you know, like when you go to your, your physical, they tell you to, you know, exercise or whatever. But the problem is, I know I shouldn't eat a Big Mac every day for lunch. I know I shouldn't sit down and be sedentary every day or smoke a cigarette. But at the end of the day, we do those activities anyways, because at the time we do them, it doesn't kill us. It's called hyperbolic discounting. I can eat a Big Mac every day for lunch for the next 10 years and not die. But eventually those behaviors add up and now all of a sudden you have that disease. So what we know now is the people you spend your time with, your family, your friends, 
the places, the design of the places, your work sites, your schools, your, your, your restaurants, your grocery stores, your faith-based organizations, um, and, and the design of your community, the policies in your community about walkability and food systems and, and those things that drive addictions, just the design of those environments are better, um, are, are really good for us. We set them up right because they can put us on a treatment plan without us even knowing that we're on one. And the nice part is, is if you get those, that support of your family and friends around well-being, so you're not doing it alone, you're not doing it in isolation, and you have design of your communities with ubiquitous nudges that are just nudging you just ever so slightly to be healthy every day. Then all of a sudden, we can be put on a treatment plan without us knowing on. And that's effectively what Blue Zones does, is we will work with communities and we'll work with organizations to help work with them to design a, a process that sets up those environments to make that healthy choice easier. But do it in a way that it's not me. But the leadership and the community design, we bring together leadership structures at, at all levels of the organization, like for work sites, so that they're the ones developing and deploying it. So now all of a sudden, as you get enough engagement, now all of a sudden you hit a tipping point where well-being just becomes that focus of that conversation. But it's owned by the community versus owned by us. And the last thing I'll say and I think this is really important. It's, I think one of the things we miss is, is how do we know the interventions that we're doing around well-being are actually working in our work sites? Yeah, it feels healthier. Yeah, but how do we know that? We measure stuff in our organizational every day, in our communities. Yeah, it looks like people are walking more. So what we try to do is bring in Gallup. We bring in, we, we work with the team on measurement. And then let's make sure that we're aligning the baseline of our work, whether it's a community or an organization, so that we're driving the change that the community wants. And especially in work sites, if I can align it to organizational goals, more productivity because people are better social coming together, lower claims costs because people less people are getting sick. If I'm aligning it to communities where people now want to move to that community, now, from an organizational standpoint, I'm, I have more uh, potential better employees that I can hire. If I can line those things up and then track and move, move the needle on that, that's a benefit for all. Exactly. Benefit for sure. I know people are always asking us, you know, can you track the ROI on these fitness programs or the challenges or the well-being programs? And it sounds like you guys are getting results. Well, it might not be ROI. Gallup, I assume you're doing surveys just to show where people were before to where they were after. And, and we're doing ROIs. So we have right. a simulation model for communities. In one community, we reduced childhood obesity by 55%. You can, you can, you can track that ROI in, in, in uh, $40 million worth of add-on grants in the community work. Um, in organizations, in one organization I work with, 2,000 people, they saw $27 million worth of claims cost reduction. I can track the ROI. I saw less sick leave. I saw less people leaving because of safety issues. You can track the ROI. And if I can track that, then as a business leader, I understand the linkage between well-being. And now I ensure that I'm investing and it becomes, again, part of the culture um, of that organization in our decision-making because there is business goals to it. So, Exactly. Well said. And not just an ROI and that 
you know, you're, the company is going to be making money because people are working harder, but you're making that impact too, making their lives better, making them healthier. So they really can live longer, better and go experience life with their loved ones like, like they want to. And I think it brings me back, you know, what you were saying earlier about people know what to do, but don't do it and just need that peer group. It reminded me of the Tony Robbins quote. It's one of my favorite ones. It's uh, the, the quality of our lives is a direct reflection of the expectations of our peer group. So I love how you're involving the community and the peer group and those to encourage people. Like in our challenge, we have weekly meetings where people actually come in and report on their goals for either weight loss or muscle build or whatever. So I'm always interested when I hear like people say, gosh, yeah, I do know what to do, but I just don't do it. Have you all found any best practices for, especially for those people that want to lose weight or get in better shape? Like what are the things you really have to do to change? You know, I, there's a couple things. I mean, it's individual, right? I mean, I don't want to say that it's not individual. Those goals, I laid out the power nine. The one thing I'll say is I encourage you not to try to do everything because trying to do everything is just a recipe and disaster. Um, but what I, what I, my recommendation always is two things. It is number one, understand what you want to change. And understand that it's more than just physical, right? Our well-being is also mental. Purpose and waking up every day with a purpose to get up, whether it's in our work sites or at home, is incredibly important. But what I talk about is how do you how do you develop that environment? If I want to eat healthier, for example, well, when you come home, what's in the design of your kitchen? Do you have potato chips on the counter when you want that snack, or is it a fresh bowl of fruit? When you look at your refrigerator, is it full? Is it a junk food emporium? And you have the chocolate cake in front, or those things that are better for us are those in front, and those other stuff you got to kind of reach a little bit further for. Can you do some design to that environment? Can you get support of your family and friends? When we look at eating, we go to dinner, we have families that we're coming. And if you can get that support so you're not doing it alone. From a behavioral science standpoint, I think it's a lot easier. So again, whether it's exercise, whether it's 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 diet, whether it's our mental health, I look at not only how are we setting up an environment that not only creates the support of your family and friends around it, so you're not trying to do it alone, but also how are you thinking about setting up your environment to make it a little bit easier? Because we make 200 and 80 decisions every day tied to our health, and most of them are involuntary. So if we can set up our environments just to make it a little bit easier and set up rules and policies in our life to support it, you know, like maybe it's not doing email after 7 p.m. And I turn off the phone and I set my phone up so nothing can come in. So then I have that family time and I'm supporting it. You know, think about your environment. Versus thinking about, oh, gosh, I got to get up and run today. Oh, gosh, I got to get up and run today, you know? Right. It's something you can enjoy, and then it really does become your habit, your routine, and then it just becomes a part of life. That's it. Great, great stuff. Well, cool. This has all been awesome. As we're getting close to the end, I know we have a little segment where we ask all our guests that come on the five rapid-fire questions. It's called the five to thrive. If you're ready for that, I will dive into those five. Good to go. Wonderful. All right. For just first thing that comes to your mind for each of them. First one, what's your morning routine? 
my morning routine is, you know, I get up on morning shower, kind of do that to get up and, you know, whatever else, have a little bit of breakfast. Um, it's usually fresh fruit or oatmeal. And then I, I start with catching up on the news. You know, I read, I read a little bit of that news before I open up my email. And then I'm kind of jumping in email. Now, in some mornings, what I'll do is I'll go do a run. I live in a beautiful place with a path right across the street where I'll go do a run or a bike ride. I have a neighbor that does it with me. Awesome. Following the practices you preach. So, well, well done. <laughs> Try. <laughs> All right. Number two. We obviously believe in continuous learning. So what is one book, podcast, or movie that you would recommend most? Um, you know, and again, there's millions. You know, I'm a pretty diverse reader from, you know, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas or to other things. But the one, the one I really liked a lot, especially tied to this topic or related to this topic, is The Omnivore's Dilemma. Um, Royce talks about um, uh, the author kind of takes you through three different food systems mm -hmm. and the design of those systems and the impact that it also has on our health, both both uh, personally and environmentally. And it's just it's interesting how he told that story. I really enjoyed it. Very cool. Great suggestion. Thank you. Number three, if you feel stuck or down or just want to ignite change, what do you do to make it happen? Um, when I feel stuck or down, I'll be honest with you, it, what brings me up is friends and family. It's the way it's my connection. It's my go-to, um, incredibly lucky. I still have my parents. I still have all my brothers and siblings and nine God kids. And it allows me to walk away from the problem or whatever I'm doing and focus on a refresh to take something out of my mind and focus on what I love doing and then coming back to the problem later, you know, and I think everybody has that go-to that will take their mind off that problem for a little bit, because if you ram your head against the wall 20 times, eventually you gotta. <laughs> That's right. There's that. some people, community, the better. Yeah. Awesome. Love it. So number four, let's now go back in time. Your 20 year old self. You've just received funding to create a project that would massively serve the world. It could be anything, as long as it serves others. What advice do you give to your 20-year-old self on coming up with the project and making it happen? Uh, it's a good question. Um, the advice I get, the advice I always give is, in, and it's blue zones, you know? Uh, Dan, myself, spokespeople for blue zones, but I have to tell you, Blue Zones is successful because there's a lot of smart people that have come together and partnered with. And that's more what I, what, I, what I like to say is how do you let that ego go and not make it about you, but really make it about something bigger around that goal and partner with the right people, bring in the right partnerships and really think strategically around those partners that where everyone knows their role and their place in it and are supporting the broader goal. And that's the luck we've had. We've, I've, I've been able to be around incredibly um, people with just really good um, uh, disciplines in their life. And they've been allowed to be able to, lead, to work in that discipline to then pull together that whole Blue Zone model. Well, that's awesome. It is so, so important, the, uh, 
folks you're around and partnering. So yeah. now for the last one, number five, we're going to go to the future now. If you have one piece of advice above everything else that you will be remembered for, what's that one piece of advice? Um, you know, I guess, I, I guess part of it is again, thinking about our environment, um, because no matter what you're doing, a collaboration with somebody at work, um, how are you being more productive at work or how are you setting up your financial well-being, you know, your financial health or anything else? If you can set up those environments that just make it so it happens automatically, that's where I always start so that it's not necessarily that discipline, but it just happens automatically where it's the, the healthy choice is the easy choice. Again, whether that's our financial health, our social health, our our purpose, whether it's our our how our community is impacting it, or a family, it's, it's think environment first to make it easy. Right, that's awesome. I love it. Set it up, and then it becomes your habit and routine. Yeah. So great, great stuff. All of this was was outstanding, and and so many great points. And I know we're going to link to. All this in the show notes at livefittignightchange.com slash blue zone so we can get any more information there. But I guess before we close out, if there was anything else you wanted to share that I didn't ask or maybe where people could go to learn more about you and blue zones and uh, just kind of continue the journey. Yeah. And again, there's so many great things out there. You know, what I love from a blue zone resources, the, the ones I like the best is our website. Our newsletter, really evidence science back, will send out things around well-being. And, and it's it's maybe one or twice a week, so it's not a lot. Um, and then I, it's my brother, I know, but he's such a gifted writer. And one of the things that he did that I really love is the Blue Zone cookbook. He went to all the Blue Zone communities across the where the centenarians were living and had to make food, did photographs but then figure out how do you make it easy and taste good using those Blue Zone recipes. And he's coming out with another one now around the American cookbook. And he does it not only in a, here, here's an easy way to cook and here's the, the, the things that our body really needs, but he also writes it in more of an anthropological way as well. So it's, it's just really interesting, that connection. And I just, again, I'm not saying this because of Blue Zones. I'm not saying it because of Dan. I'm seeing it. It's because it's a tool that I use around cooking that I really like. I enjoy the recipes. It makes, it makes, you know, I can tell people he eat Brussels sprouts, but if you don't eat like Brussels sprouts, you ain't going to eat them. Got to taste it, right? For sure. And, and I think he's done a very good job in, in getting some of those really good recipes from some of the longest lived people around the world that just, I, I think really, they hit my palate and I'm not a natural. Um, and one of the things that happened to me with blue zones is I, my diet changed through this research. It's not natural for me, but that it was a tool that really makes it easier. That's awesome. Well, yeah, I, with you, I can definitely vouch for the content. It is fabulous. And that cookbook sounds amazing. Sounds like a perfect gift for yeah. upcoming holiday season too. So yeah, I know he has one called the American cookbook coming out in in December. And I don't know a lot about it, but I know he's focused on like looking at traditional people here in America that's cooking a blue zone diet, like coming in um from traditional African roots, hmm. from Creole roots, 
from Mexican roots, like Tex-Mex isn't originally that, that Mexican food that we eat now, but there's some cooks that done it that's made it really a, a lot healthier and easier. Right. Healthier the traditional way. Not, not trying to do a promo or whatever. <laughs> I can promise. I just, it's just a, it, the, it's hey, a tool it's that good I, stuff, you got to share it. It's a tool that I use. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I love it. All the tools you used, everything you shared today. I think this is just going to be awesome. Like I said, I've kind of been living a lot of this, but now hopefully more people will hear about it and be able to adopt it. And I'm going to acknowledge you and your whole company too, for what you guys are doing. I mean, anyone who's got a mission to empower everyone everywhere to live longer, better is, is great by me. So <laughs> keep doing what you're doing, making a difference. And again, definitely looking forward to seeing you at the uh, Wellbeing Summit in Puerto Rico too. Ditto. Ditto. Awesome. Thanks again for your time. Thanks so much. Well, I certainly hope you enjoyed that conversation, and now you can go live longer and live better. Again, you can find all the details, resources mentioned in this episode in the show notes at livefitignitechange.com slash blue zones. If you resonated with this and would like to live fit and ignite change in your life, you can get started for free at livefitignitechange.com slash start, where you can join our community of high performers and get access to our kickstart resources for free. You can choose if you'd like to start on the path to getting in the best shape of your life and or ignite the change you'd wish to see by casting a vision and taking the steps to get there. You can get plugged in at livefitignitechange.com slash start or for short, livefic.com slash start. Also, my family and I, we're igniting the change that we wish to see in the world by helping others live fit. We were sick of all the processed, sugar-loaded foods and drinks marketed to us, especially to our youth. So we're developing a line of truly delicious, grain-free, sugar-free products that children and adults love as part of our InRive Performance Nutrition brand. Learn more and join the InRive Insiders for free to be the first to hear about samples, launch parties, and specials at InRive.com. That's I-N-R-I-V-E.com. Thank you so much for tuning in, and please be sure to like, share, rate, and review this show. This is what's needed to help reach more and serve more, so together we truly can ignite the change that we wish to see. Thank you so much for your help in making it happen, and I hope you make it an outstanding day and go forth to light, love, and serve the world and live the life you've always imagined.